Well, good morning, Orchard, and Merry Christmas. Take out your Bibles this morning. Turn to Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 is where we're going to begin in just a moment uh, this morning. As you're finding your way there this morning, I want to share a story with you that I heard some time back. It was about a couple that had raised their family here in Colorado. They'd lived here all their life. They had a son. They had a daughter. They'd been married 40 years. Their son had gone on to get married, had kids of his own. The daughter had gone on to get married, had kids of her own. And they had each moved away from Colorado. The son now lived in Chicago. The daughter now lived in New York City. And it was about a week before Christmas that the father of the family called up the son, the oldest son in Chicago, and he said, son, I know it's right here before Christmas, but I, I have some um, difficult news I, I got to tell you. He said, after 40 years of marriage, your wife and I, uh, my wife and I, your mom, we've decided to, to call it quits. Um, we decided not to be married anymore. And the son was like, what? You got to be kidding me. You guys love each other so much. You've been married 40 years. I, I mean, you always seem to have had this awesome marriage. And he goes, yeah, I know. I said, I hate to tell you this. And he said, well, don't do anything, Dad. He said, I'm, I'm calling sister. So he called his, his sister in New York City, told her the same news. She couldn't believe it. She called Dad. And she said, Dad, is this, is this true after 40 years of marriage? You're, you're calling it quits? I mean, I can't believe this. Is this really true? And he goes, yeah, I'm sorry to tell you this right before Christmas. She said, well, don't, don't do anything. Don't sign anything. I've already talked to brother, we've already booked our flight, and we're all going to be flying in to Colorado tomorrow. And he said, okay. He hung up the phone. He goes into the kitchen, puts his arm around his wife of 40 years, gives her a kiss on the cheek, and he said, honey, I got some great news. The kids are going to be with us for Christmas. And I got even better news. They're paying their own way. Some of you are out there going, let's write that down. That's really good. We need to do that. Well, today we are talking about Emmanuel, the Christmas carol, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, as we wrap up our series looking at Christmas carols. And Emmanuel means God with us. God is with us. I want you to, let's say this together, say it out loud. God is, God was, God will be with us. Okay, come on now. You guys can do a little better in this 1130 service. Say it nice and loud. God was, God is, God will be with us. That's the truth we're going to explore this morning from the scriptures and from this famous Christmas carol, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, that God is with us. This carol was written a long time ago in the 12th century. It was written in Europe, and it was actually originally, like most of these carols, was not written with music put to it. It was, it was a chant that people would say. It was part of the O antiphon chants, and these are Christmas carols today that all begin with the letter O, and we've studied a couple of them these last two weeks, O Holy Night, O Come All Ye Faith. And now today, O come, O come, Emmanuel. And we're going to look at this today from the scriptures from which this carol is born. So Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. This is Matthew's gospel, his account of the Christmas story. And so let's begin in verse 18 together. It says, this is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. He's like, how did you get pregnant? We're just engaged. We're not married yet. He didn't understand this. And as he considered this, you know, how could she have gotten pregnant? An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid. Everybody say, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit.'" 
She's done nothing wrong. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet. And what this is one of the things I love about the Bible. How, how do we know if we could trust the Bible? How do we know we can trust God's word? There were prophets that God spoke through hundreds of years before the prophecies took place. The, the prophecy of Jesus that a virgin would give birth to a son and he would be the Messiah was prophesied 750 years before Jesus was born. That's why we can trust our Bible. And this is what the prophet said. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and they will call him what church? Emmanuel, Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Emmanuel, God is with us. Now, some of you that might trip you up. You're like, well, I thought they were supposed to call him Jesus. His proper name was Jesus, but Emmanuel was a descriptive name. There are a lot of descriptive names of Jesus in the Bible. He will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Prince of Peace. So Emmanuel is a description. What was it describing? Who Jesus was and is, that that baby was God with us. That's who Jesus is, Emmanuel, God with us. When Matthew was talking about this baby, this was no ordinary baby. This was Jesus. This was God with us in the flesh. If this were a, mu a movie scene taking place, when Matthew would have said this, this would have been the big bum, 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 crescendo of the movie scene. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. This would have been earth-shattering news to the people on earth at this time. This would have been earth-shattering news to God's chosen people, the Jewish people, because let me remind you that in the Old Testament, and this is all they knew of God, was the Old Testament before Jesus came to this earth, God in the Old Testament is, is holy and he's just and he's perfect and nobody could come in his presence and live. I and mean, that's who, who God was. Remember Moses one time wanted to see God? He was like, God, I want to see you face to face and God's like you can't handle that and he's like here's what I'll do I'll hide you in the cleft of a rock and I'm just going to kind of whiz by and you can just see my backside and that's it that's as much as of God as Moses could could handle you, you remember in the temple God's people would go to worship in the temple and in the temple the most holy place was where God's presence dwelt if you're with me say yes the presence of God dwelt in the Holy of Holies, and there was only one person who could go into the Holy of Holies once a year, and he was the high priest. And when he would go into the Holy of Holies to be in the very presence of God, he would wear this robe and all these other jewels on it, and on the hem of the garment of the robe, they would put all these bells. And then they would tie a rope to his leg or his waist. He would go into the Holy of Holies, and as long as they could hear the bells moving, they knew he was still alive and he was in there. But if, if the bells stopped ringing and they heard a thud, they'd pull him out because <laughs> nobody could be in the presence of God. And then all of a sudden, Jesus comes on the scene, and it's God with us. This is Emmanuel, God with us. I mean, what was it that caused the shepherds to leave the flocks they were watching over by night and come to the manger? What was it that caused the wise men to travel hundreds, maybe even thousands of miles to find Jesus as a young child in his house? It was to worship Jesus as God. They understood this is God with us. And this is great news, church, for us this Christmas. Because even though this is a story that's 2,000 years old, here's why it's good news today. It reminds us God with us means we have a personal God. 
A God that wants to know us and we can know in a real and personal way. We don't have a God that is just some distant God who's uninvolved with our life or just kind of watches over us. He is God with us. He wants a relationship with us. We say it this way all the time here at Orchard Church. If you're looking for religion, you've come to the wrong place. We don't offer religion at Orchard Church. We offer relationship with Jesus, with God, God with us. In John's gospel, you just begin to read John's gospel, it says it this way, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh, and He dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory as the only begotten of the Father, Father full of grace and truth. That's talking about Jesus. That's talking about God with us, Emmanuel. But here's the question. We can sing about it, O come, O come, Emmanuel, we can read the scriptures about it. We can know the meaning and the description that Jesus' name, Emmanuel, means God with us. But do we really believe it? I mean, do we personally really believe that God is with us? Because I'm sure some of you, like me, there's been times in my life where I was going through a circumstance or situation and I wondered, where is God? You ever felt that way? Where is God in this? God, have you forgot about me? God, I don't see you right now. God, I don't feel you right now. God, I don't have the tingly winglies right now. You know, God, God, where are you? I, I'm just, I'm not so sure. And this is going to speak to somebody this Christmas. Some of you can relate. Maybe you're going through a situation right now in your life, and even though it's Christmas and everybody's talking about it being the most wonderful time of the year, for you it's the most difficult time of the year, and you're wondering, where is God? Where's this personal God you're talking about, Doug? Where, where's this personal God I read about in the, in the Scripture? Maybe this Christmas, if we're keeping it real, and we keep it real here at Orchard Church, it's one of our values. Maybe you're going through a difficult time this Christmas because this is, there's going to be an empty chair at the table this Christmas, and you're wondering, where's God? Maybe there's an empty chair because of a death. Maybe there's an empty chair because of a divorce. Maybe there's an empty chair because of distance. And you wonder, where is God? Maybe you're going through a relational challenge this Christmas. Maybe you're going through something financially or, or with your health, and you're wondering, God, where are you? God, have you forgotten about me? God, do you not see what's happening? Where is God? And maybe for some of you, if, if we're being really honest, you would say, you know, I hear what you're saying, Pastor Doug, that, you know, Emmanuel is God with us, but I don't really feel like God would want to be with me. I know the mistakes I've made. I know where I've messed up in my life. Why would a perfect and holy God want to hang out with me? And my prayer for all of us, my prayer for you, is before we leave here today that you would truly believe that God is, God was, and God will be with you. That's what Emmanuel means, God with us. And I hope you'll take some notes this morning on the back of your newsletter. I want to give you three practical truths about the name Emmanuel, God with us. How does that practically apply to our life? How can that encourage us this Christmas? The first one is this. Emmanuel means this to us. God is with you. It means God is with you. Just turn to your neighbor and say, God is with you. Now turn to your other neighbor, your second choice, and say, God is with you. God is with you. God is with you. We read Matthew's gospel account of the Christmas story. Let me take you to Luke's gospel of the Christmas story. In Luke chapter 1, verse 26, 
And listen to what happens here. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Now, you're like, okay, I know who Mary is. Who's Elizabeth? Elizabeth is the cousin of Mary. She was also pregnant with with a guy we know as John the Baptist. And it says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named what? Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman. Let's say this together, church. The Lord is with you. And when you understand what was going on in Mary's life, those were the desperate words she needed to hear. The Lord is with you, Mary. God is with you, Mary. She was a teenager. She was unmarried. And she was now pregnant. And in that time and in that day in that society, you could be taken out into the street and stoned to death for that. She didn't know how this was all going to play out. She didn't know how Joseph was going to react. She didn't know how her family was going to react. She didn't know how her community was going to react. Do you understand why Mary needed to hear those words from the angel, the Lord is with you? If you're with me, say, I'm with you. She needed desperately to hear that truth. The Lord is with you. God is with you. And some of you this Christmas may need to hear that truth as well, that the Lord is with you. And the Lord is with you, and the Lord is with you, and the Lord is with you. God is with you. If you're struggling and you're facing challenges and difficulties, Emmanuel means God is with you. The Apostle Paul said it this way. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3, he said, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father, and let's say it together, the source of all comfort God is with you. He's the source of all comfort. This word comfort in the Greek is from the Greek word parakletos, and it means to come alongside, that we have a God who wants to be with us and come alongside of us no matter what we're going through or whatever we're facing. Are you thankful for that, church? That's the kind of God we have. That's what, hey, we're going to clap. Let's clap it up. Come on now. Amen. It's all right to celebrate that here. That God is with you. He wants to come alongside of you. He, he's there when you, you don't feel like he's there. He is there. And uh, I want to go back several years um, to when we first started our family. And Shelly and I, when we got married, we said we wanted to wait about two to three years. Then we wanted to start a family. And we specifically talked about it. We wanted to have a boy. And then we wanted to have a girl. In that order. We wanted a boy first, and then we wanted a girl, and we wanted them to be two years apart. We prayed and asked God for those things. The Bible says we have not because we asked not. So we asked, and God answered our prayers exactly the way we asked. We had our son, Caleb. He was born first. One, one week shy of his second birthday, our daughter, Caitlin, was born. And so their birthdays were, were two years and one week apart. And God answered our prayers exactly what we asked for, so we stopped right there. We didn't want to get greedy, you know, mess it up, have like quadruplets or something. And so we, when they were young, they liked having their birthday parties together, and we could always have a combined birthday. Now, as they got older, that went away. Parents, if you have kids that have birthdays that are near each other, enjoy them while you can. It will not last forever, I promise you. I, I know from experience. And I remember it was going to be uh, Caleb's four-year-old birthday and Caitlin's second-year-old birthday, and so we had their parties together. And like all good parents, we took one for the team, and we went to Yucky Cheese. I mean, Chucky e. Cheese. <laughs> Spent too much on cruddy pizza, spent $50 on tokens to play games to win tickets to win a $2 prize. You been there? Okay, can we all just, you know, 
Misery loves company. And so we did that. And one of the main reasons you want to go to Chuck E. Cheese with your kids is they want to see Chucky. Not, not the weird doll in the movie. Chuck E. Cheese. Okay, different Chucky. Chuck E. Cheese. Now, our kids, Caleb and Caitlin, are very, very different in personality. Our, our daughter, she's kind of the free spirit, never met a stranger, you know, life of the party. Our son, he's a little more cautious one. He's, he's a man of few words, but when he says his words, they're very well thought out and, and, and all that. Now, he's the one turning four, and Caitlin's the one turning two. We walk into Chuck E. Cheese, and there's Chuck E. Cheese going around greeting the kids. Caitlin runs right up to him, and she's hugging him and kissing him and high-fiving him. And I, I'm looking for Caleb, and Caleb's standing beside me, and he's like this. And he's backing up. And I said, Caleb, it's Chuck E. Cheese. You want to go see Chuck E. Cheese? And Caitlin's like, come on. And he's like this. I don't like him. I said, but it's Chuck E. Cheese. I don't care. He did not want to have anything to do with Chuck E. Cheese. And so we're like, okay, we're not going to make you. It's your birthday, whatever. And so we got our pizza. We're playing some games. And, of course, you know, they have the animatronics on the stage, and they play different songs, and everybody's dancing. Well, man, as soon as that started, Caitlin, I mean, she, she's like two years old, boom, jumps out of her chair, runs up. We put her on the stage, and she's, you know, up there with Chuck E. Cheese and all that. She got her dad's moves. And she's dancing, and Caleb's sitting in his, his seat, you know, there with the pizza. I'm not going we're like, Caleb, come on, come on. And we're trying to talk him into it. He, he didn't want to go, he didn't want to go. Finally, I said, Caleb, I'll go with you. You will? I said, yeah, I'll go up there with you. And so I go up there with him, and then I put him on the stage, and he goes, no, up here. <laughs> Makes me, like, get up on the stage. So we're all three there, you know, doing, doing our thing. And I think we had a picture. Finally got him on there. What, what was the difference? Dad was with him. That's what changed everything, that dad was willing to be with him. And when you and I, when we understand the all-knowing, all-powerful God of this universe is with you, that changes everything, church. He is with you. When you're alone, he's with you as a companion. When you're sick, he's with you to bring healing. When you're lost, he's with you to guide you. When you are hurting, he's with you to bring hope. When you're weak, he's with you to make you strong. When you have a trial, he's with you as the comforter, as the parakletos to come alongside of you. And even when you're struggling with sin, as we all do and I do, he's with you as a savior because he is Emmanuel, God with us. God with you. God with you. Emmanuel, God with us means God is with you. Here's the second truth about Emmanuel. God was with you. Not only does it mean God is with you, it means God was with you. Have you guys noticed like I have sometimes in my life when I feel like God maybe isn't around and like, hey God, are you not paying attention to what's going on here? Need your help? That sometimes it's easier to see God in the rear view mirror than it is in the moment. It's easier to look back when God was with us in the past more than it sometimes is in the present. But God was with you. God has been with you in times in the past, if you look back in your life. One of the stories that reminds me of this uh, in the Bible is a story of another Joseph. This is a different Joseph than the Christmas story. It's the Old Testament Joseph. Uh, Joseph was a very common name back then, kind of like Michael or David or something like that today. 
And it's a story of, of, of a young man that had many brothers, and the brothers were jealous of the younger brother, thought he was getting preferential treatment from his father. And one day, the brothers decided to beat their younger brother up. They threw him in a pit. They sold him into slavery. He was then falsely accused, and he was thrown into prison. And I'm sure there were moments where he thought, God, where are you? God, are you not paying attention to my life? What, what is going on? But I love what it says in his story in Genesis chapter 39, verse 21. It says, but the Lord, let's say it together, was with Joseph. Where? In the prison. And showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. When it seemed like God had forgotten about Joseph and God wasn't around, God was actually working behind the scenes in his life all along the way. You read the rest of his story and he goes from a pit and a prison to a palace. God promotes him to second in charge of the whole kingdom, only second in charge to, to Pharaoh. And if Joseph were here today, I promise you, church, I promise you, read his story sometime. He would tell you, God was with me every step of the way. And I'm sure some of you have experienced that in your life. You look back in your life at something that happened and you, you would say, you know, God was with me. I didn't maybe feel it at the time. I didn't sense it at the time, but God was with me because whatever he brings you to, he'll bring you through. He was with me. And as Shelly and I have thought back on our life, we uh, entered full-time vocational ministry uh, 28 years ago, uh, next year will be 28 years I've been in full-time vocational ministry. And when we first started ministry, I started where most people do. I started as a student, student director, student pastor, did that off and on for about 10 years to this day, just love students, love what God's doing in students' life. If you've got middle school and high school students and you haven't brought them on Wednesday night right here to this room yet for fuel, man, you've got to get them here. They've had almost 200 students already meeting here to learn about God and, and, and praise God. Can we give it up for all those working in our student ministry? It's awesome. But when you start in student ministry, you don't make a lot of money. Here, here was my salary. My first year in student ministry, I made $12,000. Not a month, not a quarter, a year. We made 1000 And I know some of you are like, yeah, that's because you're old and it was, everything was cheap back. No, no. It was not much money back then either. $1,000 a month. You know, so Ryan Singleton, our student director, wherever you are, you're doing real well compared to what I was. And... On paper, our budget did not make sense at all. And yet we gave God first, we saved second, we lived on the rest, we tithed, we gave offerings over and above that to missions and other things. And on paper, it never made sense. And we'd always scratch our head at the end of every month. But we never went out without a meal. We never went without a roof over our head. But why? Because God was with us. God was with us, and he's continued to be with us. I told you about our children. Uh, my, my son now, Caleb, is 22. Our daughter, Caitlin, is, is 20. And when Caleb was born, he was a day old, and the pediatrician came into the hospital room. He said, I, I have some difficult news to share with you, but your son was born with ventricular septal defect. He has three small holes in his heart. And he said, if they don't heal up on their own, he's going to have to have open heart surgery. I mean, how, how would you like to find that out when your first child's a day old? And he said there's a chance that one of them might start to close up, but the likelihood of all three closing up is really almost unheard of. Um, it's probably not going to happen. He said, but I want to see him in a month. And so we started praying, and our family, and our friends, and our church, and all that. We took him to his one-month um, checkup. They did an echocardiogram, and he said every single hole has closed. It's like it never even happened. Why? Because God was with us, and God was with him. 
He went on to play uh, high school baseball. He was an all-state baseball player, and now he's had the privilege to play college baseball because God was with us. Our daughter, I've shared uh, in the last year, our, our daughter, we found out several years ago, struggles with an autoimmune disease. We didn't know exactly what it was. We had a sneaking hunch what it was, and we've been praying that we would find out so we'd know how to treat it, and God answered our prayers, not exactly the way that we wanted, but now we know, and, and she has now been fully diagnosed with fibromyalgia and lupus. She has lupus. And... Um, She had to take, she, she, she's full of life, those of you that know her. And she loves to work, and she's like, you know, I'm not going to let this disease hold me down. And she was working a full-time job, and then she got very sick, and she had to stop that job and try to focus on her health for the last several months. But just about a week ago, she just started a brand-new full-time job. She's working in a nursing home in Brighton. She says, you know, Mom and Dad, I want to work there because I know what it's like to not feel good. I know what it's like to hurt, and I want to use that to help other people and point them to God. And God has been with her. And God has been with her. And we would cover your prayers because um, she has good days and bad days. Today's not a good day. She wanted to be here this morning, and she just... It was her day off, and she just couldn't make it. You know, Shelly and I, um, this December 26th, the day after Christmas, we're going to celebrate our 25th wedding anniversary. And here's what I, yeah, we can praise God for that. And here's, here's what I tell you. God has been with Shelly for 25 years <laughs> to deal with this. <laughs> And pray for her that he would give her another 25 years to deal with this. But people sometimes ask us, I mean, now you tell people, how long have you been married? 25 years. They're like, oh, you got to be kidding me. How have you made it? It's not because I'm a pastor. It's not because she's a pastor's wife. It's not because we haven't had struggles or challenges or disagreements. It's because God has been with us. And God has been the center of our marriage and our family. And we made a covenant to each other and to God for better or worse. And we're not going to give up. And God has been with us. You know, I think about our church family, especially those of you that have been around here for a while. Or, and if you're new to Orchard Church, let me just tell you, how did this church family go from four people in an apartment living room at our first Bible study to what it is today? In 12 years, there's only one reason. God has been with us. And God is going to continue to be with us. And let me just tell you how God has been with us just this year alone in 2017. Our mission is to help people find and follow Jesus. We've seen over 1,000 people give their life to Christ. We've baptized last Sunday right over here 85 people. That brings us to 238 people just this year alone that said yes to Jesus and went public with their faith. Because God has been with us. God has been with us. And God has been with some of you if you look at it. Look in the rearview mirror. What does Emmanuel mean? It means God is with us. What does that mean to you personally? It means that God is with you. It means God was with you. And then number three, if you're taking notes, here's the great news. It means God will be with you. God will be with you. You know, as we close out 2017 and we're headed to 2018, we don't know what tomorrow holds, but we know who holds tomorrow, amen? We don't, we don't know what's going to happen in our, in our marriage, in our family, in our community, in our country, in our world, in our church. We, we don't know. But here's what I do know, church. God will be with you. And God will be with me. And God will be with us. He will never leave us. He'll never forsake us. God is with you. God was with you. And God will be with you. Whatever is going to come your way. 
I'm reminded of this truth in a story in the Old Testament. You know, Moses was the man that God used as the, to lead God's people out of bondage, out of Egypt, and, and through the wilderness toward the promised land. And it was Moses that saw God, you know, at the burning bush. It was Moses that saw God do all the miracles in Egypt that finally Pharaoh said, I'll let, I'll let you go. It was God, God working through Moses. And when they crossed the Red Sea and God parted the Red Sea and they went across on our gr- dry ground. It was, it was Moses that led the children of Israel for 40 years in the wilderness when they complained a lot and God still gave them bread and God still gave them water and God sustained them and kept them alive. But then God wouldn't allow him to take them into the promised land. He had to hand the mantle of leadership, the baton of leadership to another man. His name is Joshua. And they were about to cross the Jordan And the only way for them to get across that is God had to part that. And then they were going to face Jericho, a walled city, and their enemies that weren't going to let them into the promised land. And then there were other enemies and other challenges when they got there. And I love what Moses said to Joshua to remind him that just like God was with me, God will be with you. In Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6, he said this, be strong and courageous. Some of you need to hear that this Christmas, no matter what you're facing. Be strong and courageous. How? Do not be afraid or terrified because of them or whatever you're facing. Here's why. For the Lord your God, let's say it together, church, goes with you. He goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do you believe that, church? God is with you. God was with you. God will be with you. He'll never leave you or forsake you. He will go with you. I want to take you back 2,000 years ago when that angel came to Mary and told her what was going to happen. And if she could have seen into the future, here's what she would have said. God's going to be with me. God's going to be with me when I conceive of the Holy Spirit, a child, even though I'm not married and I've never been with a man. God's going to be with me when I have to explain that to my family and people in my community and when I have to explain it to my fiance, Joseph. God's going to be with me. God's going to send an angel to let him know that this is of God. I haven't done anything wrong. God is going to be with me when I'm nine months pregnant and I have to get on the back of a donkey and I have to travel 100 miles from Nazareth to Bethlehem to have this child. God is going to be with me whenever we knock on door after door trying to find a room and there's no room in the inn and there's no hotel rooms available and God is going to be with me when he provides a cave for us to get out of the elements, for me to have the Christ child. And God is going to be with me to provide a manger that I can lay the baby Jesus in. And God is going to be with me as the shepherds will come that night and they will encourage us and they'll come to worship. And God will be with me when an evil king will rise up and he'll want to kill my son and we have to flee to Egypt for our life. God's going to protect us and God is going to be with me and God is going to be with me when my son is 12 years old and we take him to the temple and there's a lot of people there and some of you parents have experienced this. We lose Jesus. We can't find him and we're scared and we're worried and we're panicking and God will be with me when we find him and he's actually sitting down and he's teaching the Bible to the religious leaders and they're in awe of his teaching. God will be with me when we're at a wedding in Cana of Galilee And Jesus performs his very first miracle and he turns water into wine. And God will be with me when at the age of 33 he is arrested and he is falsely accused and he is spat upon and he is mocked and he is scourged and the crown of thorns is placed on his head. And God will be with me when I watch them take my son Jesus and put him on a cross and nail him to that cross and where he bleeds and where they take a spear and they put it into his side. And God will be with me as they put him into a borrowed tomb 
tomb and God will be with me on the first night when I wait and I wonder. And God will be with me on the second night when I wait and I wonder. And God will be with me on the third day when I go to visit his tomb and the stone is rolled away because he is not there, because he has risen from the dead, because he is Emmanuel, God with us. That is who we're talking about, church. God with us. God with you. God is with you. God was with you. God will be with you. As we wrap this up, I love the way the Apostle Paul says this. In Romans chapter 8, verse 35, he really sets the context to, to remind us that God is going to be with us no matter what we go through, no matter what we face. And he begins by asking a question, and I want us to participate together with this. He asked this question, who or what shall separate us from the love of Christ? What's the answer, church? Nothing. Everybody say Nothing. Nothing. He says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble? What's the answer? No. Come on, you can do better than that. Shall trouble? No. What shall separate us from the love of Christ? How about hardship? No. How about persecution? No. How about famine? No. How about nakedness? No. Now, why is nakedness in this verse? I, I really don't know, but hey, if you ever find yourself naked, God is with you. Just remember that. God is with you. How about danger? Will that separate you? No. How about sword, your enemies? No. No, 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 no. That's what Paul says. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. He goes on to say it like this, and he starts preaching. Paul says, for I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, anything happening now, or the future, anything in the future that could happen, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from what, church? The love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord because he is Emmanuel, God with us. And he will be with you. Nothing can separate you from his love. Nothing, not your doubts, not your fears, not your failures, not your insecurities, not your disappointments, not your sickness, because God is, God was, and God will be with you, with you. And I hope and I pray that that brings great encouragement to some of you this Christmas season and throughout the year to come. As we wrap this up this morning, this coming Friday will mark one year that a family in our church faced an unimaginable tragedy. And I want you to hear their story of how God has been with them all along the way this year. A, it was a couple days before Christmas, and uh, Isabel had gone to uh, out with some friends to a party, and uh, she got in a car accident on the way home. So she was 16 years old, and uh, pretty much killed her instantly. She'd missed her curfew. She was supposed to be home at midnight, and so 
It was about 12.10 and I knew, I just knew something was wrong. It was down the road on Highway 52 from our house. Ambulances were flying by our house. Neil was in bed so I woke him up and I said something's wrong. She's not answering her phone, Gage is not answering his phone. Um, and there's sirens going in her direction, headed in her direction. And so we got in the car and we drove. And sure enough, they stopped us about a county road. He asked if he could help us and I said, our daughter missed her curfew and he said, what's her name? And I said, Isabel Leet. And the look on his face told us everything we needed to know. So we stopped and talked to, talked to him and he told us she was no longer with us. We basically just called her my mini-me. She was basically my little partner in whatever kind of trouble we could get into <laughs> with mom. <laughs> she was full of life. She was, if there was an activity, she didn't want to sit around and watch TV. She wanted to be outside doing the activity, whether it was riding her bike when she was little, a skateboard, playing basketball, playing hoops, running around, jumping on the trampoline. She was... She was the go-getter. She was gonna do it, and she, she squeezed every ounce of joy out of life. Very few people experience the loss of a child. That's one thing we've always kind of fell back on is, you know, God gave his only son, so he knows. He knows exactly what we're feeling. That doesn't make it any less painful, <laughs> but it makes it tolerable. It says he's the great counselor, and. Well, he is, you know. We haven't uh, done any counseling, um, which I have some friends that are just odd. <laughs> They're like, how can you not go and talk to a guy? I say, I do talk to a counselor. <laughs> I do, I do regularly, and that's, that's how we get through. The one comfort we did have is that we knew she was saved. We knew she was saved. She'd been baptized earlier a year or two prior and she was you know but I we knew and that's that's that big comfort to me that's the, the the that's what gets us through I mean if we didn't know our daughters were saved I can't even imagine what kind of wreck I would be right many many times I have said since this is I don't I don't know how anybody who does not believe in God gets through this I don't think they do. I just, I just don't. He'll bring you through it, but you know, first of all, you gotta have, I believe you have to have faith. You have to have unwavering faith that no matter how ugly it gets, he's there with us. And, and really we're talking short term here on earth, you know. It's more about living forever in his kingdom. I want to ask all of you to keep the Leet family in your prayers this coming Friday and Saturday are going to be a difficult time for them and for our community and those that, that know them and, and love them, be praying for them. But when I reached out to the Leet family and I said, would you be willing to share your story and what you've gone through this year and how God's been with you? Without hesitation, they said, absolutely, yes. They said, because we wouldn't be here today and be able to just wake up another day and do life without God being with us. And if this could help one person, 
we're willing to do it. And this just reminds us of what we're talking about today, church. This is real stuff. This isn't just meaningless words on a page. This, this means something to all of our lives that he's Emmanuel, God with us. He's Emmanuel. It means that he, he's a God who is with you. He was with you. He will be with you. Really, the only question this Christmas now is this question. God's with you, but are you with him? Are you with God? Are you with God? He wants you to be. He calls you to be. He invites you to be. But are you with Emmanuel, God with us? Heavenly Father, thank you so much. Thank you doesn't seem like enough, but thank you that you 2,000 years ago stepped down and away from your throne to become flesh in the person of Jesus and to die on the cross for us. You came to be with us so we could be with you. Thank you for Emmanuel. As we continue an attitude of prayer right now, heads bowed and eyes closed, there may be some of you here this Christmas, you're here today and, and you're hurting. You're going through a challenge, a difficulty in your life. I want you to know God is with you. And God was with you and God will be with you. But maybe you're here today and, and you'd allow me to pray for you that you'd say, I, I just need a special supernatural touch from the presence of God right now because of something I'm going through in my life. C could I have the privilege of praying for you? If that's you, would you slip up your hand all across this auditorium? I'm going through something right now and I need a special touch from God. Amen. God bless you. Hands everywhere. Thank you for your honesty. Let me pray for you. Father, I, I pray for all those today that are going through trials and tribulations and difficulties and they may be tempted to ask, where are you, God? God, where are you at? And I pray that you would draw near to them. Your word says if we draw near to you, you will draw near to us, that you would be the God of all comfort, the parakletos, that you would come alongside of them in their time of difficulty and that you would bring them peace that passes all understanding and mercy and love and grace in a very real and tangible way this Christmas. So we continue in attitude of prayer. I know many of you are here today. You would say, I remember the time in my life that I said yes to Jesus. I, I remember when I invited him, him to my life. But let me ask you this question. Are you as close to God now as you once were? I think if we're all honest, there's times in our life that we get distracted by other things. We drift away from God. And you might say, I, I know God is with me, but I need to be more with him. It, if that's you today, can I pray for you? You'd say, I, I know that I could be closer to God. I know he wants to be with me, but I want to make sure I, I'm, with, I'm with him. Can I pray for you? Would you slip up your hand all across this auditorium if that's you today? Amen. God bless you. Thank you for your honesty. That's one of the things I love about this church. And my hand's up with you guys. Let me pray for us. God, I just pray that you would first forgive us in the times that we've drifted from you, when we've been distracted by the cares and things of this world. Lord, I pray that we would make a decision this Christmas and throughout all of next year that we are going to draw near to you and that you will draw near to us, that we're going to be in your word more, we're going to pray more, we're going to serve you more, we're going to live on mission for you more to help more people find and follow you. We know that you're with us. May we be with you in the same way. And as we continue in attitude prayer, let me ask one more question. Maybe you're here today and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And so when I ask this question, are you with God, you're like, what, what do you mean? What I'm asking is, are you in his family? Have you had your sins forgiven? Have you received the gift of eternal life? 
Maybe God has been bringing your whole life to this moment and this time, to this point in your life, to say yes to him, to accept him. He did everything 2,000 years ago to be with you. Is it a time maybe that you say, I want to be with him? I want to invite him into my life. The Bible says in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And the greatest gift that some of you could receive this Christmas is the gift of eternal life. And I'm gonna pray a prayer out loud in just a moment. And I'm gonna invite some of you to pray this prayer with me if you've never prayed this before. Now this isn't, it's, it's not the prayer that saves us or forgives us. This isn't a magic prayer, magic words we say to God. But a prayer is a way to express what we believe. It's about our faith and what comes from our heart. And so if you're ready to say yes to Jesus, you'd say, I, I wanna make sure I'm with Jesus. I wanna make sure that I've had my sins forgiven and I have a home in heaven. I want a relationship with him. Then I invite you to pray this prayer with me right now from, from your heart to God's. And it goes like this. Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I want to be with you the way that you want to be with me. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me and giving me the gift of eternal life. Thank you. Thank you. So we continue with heads bowed and eyes closed. Nobody looking around. I don't want to embarrass anybody, but if you just prayed that prayer for the first time, I would love, love the privilege to pray for you, that you would grow in your walk and relationship with Jesus from this day forward, that you would want to be with him as much as he wants to be with you. So if you just prayed that prayer with me, would you slip up your hand without hesitation? Just lift them up. God bless you right here. One, two, three, four, five, a whole row of people over there. Amen. God bless you. One, two, three people here. Amen. God bless you guys here. Amen. Hands, several hands everywhere. Amen. Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, we just lift up all those today saying yes to you. We welcome them into the family of God as our brothers and sisters in Christ. We thank you for Emmanuel, God with us. May we experience that in a real and personal way this Christmas and in the year to come. And may we live on mission to help more people find and follow you, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. Amen. Can we celebrate big time those who said yes to Jesus today? Amen. Amen. We celebrate those decisions because the Bible says that heaven celebrates those decisions. So we join you. If you made that decision today to follow Jesus for the first time, we join you in celebration. But we also, as a church, our role is to pull alongside you and help you in your next steps in your journey of faith. So to that end, we created a booklet. It's called our I Said Yes booklet that will help you in your newfound walk with Jesus Christ. We want to get that to you in the mail. And the way we do that is that you have a connection card in your newsletter. If you would take that out, put your name, your address, address and just check that you said yes to Jesus for the first time today. We'll get this to you in the mail to help you in your new journey. If you're a first-time guest with us today, I hope that you have also filled out that connection card. Drop that in the offering bucket when it goes around here in a moment. We're not interested in your money today, first-time guests, but we are interested in connecting with you, and we have a thank you gift to send to you in the mail as well. And speaking of first-time guests, Orchard, I'd love to give you an update about what God is doing here. We've been in this service or in this building now for five Sundays. We have four on our belt. Today is the fifth. In the first four Sundays in this facility, we have averaged over 100 first-time guests every single Sunday, and that's worth celebrating. God is doing great things. We are currently averaging over 750 more people in the facility every week than we were just one month ago. That's all good news. 
the not-so-great news is all those people drive cars, right? We all drive cars. So there are about 300 more vehicles in the parking lot than there was even at this time last month. So I want to reiterate for us, just to make sure everything flows just as smoothly as we need it to, that we need to enter from the east and we need to exit to the west. And our parking lot team is out there to help us make sure that we exit and enter this facility as safely and as quickly as possible. So if you see them, they've got a tough job, guys. If you see them, smile, wave, give them a thumbs up on the way by. No other digits, just the thumb. Okay. <laughs> so next Sunday, Christmas Eve, we have five services scheduled. One on Saturday night, we have four on Sunday. That schedule's in your newsletter. But just note this, that none of those happen on Sunday morning. So if you show up at 1130 next Sunday morning, there won't be anybody here. But you're welcome to join us Saturday night, Sunday afternoon and evening. We have five services total. Hope to see you there. And then on New Year's Eve, we actually won't have services at all. And the reason for that is we want to give our staff and our volunteers, our wonderful volunteers, the week off to be able to celebrate with their family. It takes hundreds of volunteers to make services happen every single Sunday, and those guys deserve a little bit of rest as well. So don't show up on New Year's Eve, but we will continue on January 7th with a brand new series. So for now, let's stand as we close in a song of worship and as we worship with our tithes and offerings, because we want to be a church that acts our wage by giving first, saving second, and living on the rest. God bless you, Orchard Church. Know that God is with you. Have a great day.